You say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is Hello everyone and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh, we have a chief of a show today. I'm telling you, it is top notch. It is, it is, if you were to take and do an organizational chart of where the show is going to land, this show is going to be at the top. Maybe not all the way CEO top, but just below it. Okay, it's all hints, right? Uh, today, uh, we have Emily Sander joining us, uh, great executive coach. Uh, she wrote this book. It's entitled An Insider's Perspective on the Chief of Staff um, and Why You Need One and How to Be a Great One. By the way, this is a fabulous book. I uh, just want to let you know, you need to pick it up. Uh, it's it's a great read. It's a fast read, but it is an enlightening read. I'm just telling you right now, if you've, I don't care, you know, uh, if you have a small business, let's say 20 people, if you have a corporation, hundreds of people, maybe thousands, if you do not have a chief of staff, you are missing out on your time. You're missing out on coordination. You're missing out on uh, efficiency. You're missing out on a number of things that Emily is going to talk to us uh, about today. So stay tuned because you may want to become a chief of staff after you learn about the job because it's 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 uh, really cool and fascinating what they do. Um, so we're going to get to her in just a moment. Before we do that, let's do what we do every week, right? And that's this, right? We're four-part people. We're physical, mentally, emotional, spiritual people. And the truth of the matter is we have to constantly be working on ourselves in all four of these areas because if we're not right? We're not growing, we're dying because we never stay static, right? So what we do on the show, if you're just joining us, is that we rate ourselves on a scale of one to 10 of where we're at right now, right? One in one area is like, oh, couldn't be any worse. 10 is like, oh, couldn't get any better, right? So let's take the physical area, for instance. If you were to evaluate yourself physically, like getting enough exercise, eating right, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, on a scale of one to 10, where would you put yourself? Five being average. Now, Whatever your number is, I don't want you to get alarmed and go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. No, 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 no. That's a starting place for you. That's where you're going to start, and that's where we're going to grow from, right? So if you're a 2, it's okay. How do we get to 2.5, right? Maybe it's putting down something you shouldn't be eating, bag of chips, soda, something else, right? Sugars that you're eating, consuming, fast foods that you drive through, things like that, right? Could be, you know, I need to just get out and walk a little bit. Whatever. That's how we get to that next level, right? All right, so you got your first number. Second number is the mental intellectual number. You know, the truth of the matter is we cannot sit on a couch and feel that somehow we're going to absorb wisdom and knowledge into our brain. We have to be an active participant in our intellectual growth. And that's growing in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of what we do, how we live, right? And we could do that in a variety of ways because we're, you know, two brain, half brain people. You know, we got a right brain that's creative, left brain that's logical, right? And we need to work on both sides. You know, a great way to do that is read a book. That's a pretty awesome way to do it is to read a book. Oh, this is a good one that you might want to do to exercise both halves of your brain. Um, but, you know, there's things you do. Learn a foreign language, right? I'm studying a foreign language, right? You know, as part of I read, but I study a foreign language. Take up an instrument and working on, you know, some of my musical stuff. There's a lot of ways that you could be growing in your intellectual and mental self, all right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you evaluate yourself? Okay, that's your second number. Third number 
is your emotional number. And it's interesting that uh, Emily talks about in her book, Chief of Staff, uh, she talks about that your emotional quotient needs to be high if you're going to be a chief of staff. And I could not agree more, but I think we all need to grow at work on our emotional intelligence and our emotional quotients, right? So how do you evaluate your that? Well, on a scale of one to 10, how would you evaluate these two areas? First of all, how well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure? Do you think a chief of staff needs to be able to control their emotions under stress and pressure? Absolutely. Okay. And then the second piece of that is how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of others? Do you think a chief of staff needs to tap into and understand the emotions of other people like the CEO, the leadership team, the people that are throughout the business? Do you think? Absolutely. Okay. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you evaluate yourself emotionally? Okay. Third number. Okay, now let's go to the fourth number. That's the spiritual. And a lot of times people say, well, I'm really not all that spiritual. I'm, I'm not a spiritual person. I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have that spiritual part. There is a spirit inside us. There's a spirit, the human spirit, right? But there is the truth of the matter is we all live by faith every single day, and that's spiritual. If you drank a cup of coffee and believed it wasn't poisonous, that's faith. If you put your button in a car and you believed it was going to start, that's faith. If you saw the walk uh, sign on the crosswalk and believe that the cars were not going to hit you, that's faith. If you've made plans for the future and you believe that they're going to happen, but they haven't happened yet, that's faith. And then what brings you back to centeredness in the midst of chaos? What brings you back to a sense of peace and a sense of joy in the midst of chaos? Is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it something else? It's all spiritual. And the question is, how's it working for you? If it's not working so well, what do you do to change it? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you evaluate your spiritual self? Those four areas are like the air in the tires of your car. If one tire is too low, what happens is the car veers and it's harder to control and it's hard to steer and it's hard to get it to go. And if all four tires are too low, guess what happens? You're going to ruin the car. So we want to bring those tires out and get them to the right height. And speaking to someone who does that awesomely, her name is Emily Sanders. She has spent more than 15 years in the business world. She is a C-suite executive and founder of Next Level Coaching. As an international certified a coach, ICF, International Coaching Federation Certified Coach, she guides clients towards new perspective that enables them to adapt and evolve as leaders. She combines her experience and proven insights with keen ability to understand each client's unique personality and situation. And she joins us today for the first time and not going to be her last time, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> Emily, welcome to A New Direction. Thanks for having me on, Coach Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I, I have to tell you, I loved the book and I really enjoyed it. And I went through it a couple times, read it a couple times and have taken notes on this. And so uh, let's dig right in for everybody who's kind of wondering, well, what in the world are we talking about chief of staff? You know, because I think the first thing we think of, Emily, is we think of the president's chief of staff. Right. Right. I think that's the first thing we think of. But the, here's here's the and I guess that's a fair comparison. But what is the chief of staff, really, in, in a business situation. Help us understand that. Sure. So a chief of staff is an executive leader. And so they're working with the C-suite team. And it's one of the most dynamic roles in business. So there's no one way to do chief of staff, and there's no one version of it. The analogy I like to use is an air traffic controller. 
So you know the person in that big tower in an airport, and that person doesn't own the airport or own the planes per se, but they are coordinating and talking to the pilots, making sure the planes take off and land on time. They're coordinating the ground crew and making sure those planes are equipped. And that's what a chief of staff does for business. Um, I also have the analogy since you read my book of the, you know, when you buy a six pack can of soda at the store and it has that plastic thing on top, that plastic thing holds the cans together, just like a chief of staff holds the leadership team together. So those are some quick ways to think about it. Well, well let's dig into it a little bit more. Uh, because I, I, and I love the analogies and I'm a big analogy guy. I love them. But when, but when I think about everything you're about to describe in this book, there is a, uh, dynamic flexibility that a chief of staff must have, right? I mean, because it's, it's, while it does hold everything together, there's a whole bunch of dynamics that happen at chief of staff. How do we make analogy out of that because it's like they're busy <laughs> going all over the place. Well, you're exactly right. So no, if you have a chief of staff at company A and a chief of staff at company B, they're not going to be the same. But if you have a chief of staff in year one at company A and then a chief of staff in your year five at company A, those are also not going to be the same. And so they do have to adapt and evolve and keep their EQ radar up and say, okay, what is needed at this time? How can I best flex my leadership into what the team and what the company needs right now? You talk about that there's three main uh, constituents a chief of staff is responsible for, the principal, the leadership team, the organization as a whole. So maybe it would be a good idea to kind of just briefly uh, talk about how they work in all three areas real quick so that people get kind of a general outline of how they work between the, the the principal of the leadership team in the organization. Sure. So the principal is the person the chief of staff reports to. So in most cases, it's the CEO. So I supported our CEO as my principal. The leadership team, that can be defined in a number of ways, but it's usually the people who report directly to the CEO. So at our company, it was you know the CFO, the COO, the CTO, and a couple of VPs. And so my, my primary focus was making sure that our principal was set up, but also I had to take care of all the, all the executive leaders. And then, of course, the whole company. So as the title suggests, you are the chief of staff. And so your job is to take care of the staff and make sure they're resourced correctly, make sure they have the right information so they understand the why and the context behind what leadership and what the company is doing, and make sure that communication channels and information is flowing well, you know, up, bottom up, top down, and across the company. So certainly those three, those three constituents you you listed are correct. And that is in itself a full-time job, keeping those three going. So I'm gonna have a little fun with you here, uh, because what the chief of staff is not. So so basically what you're telling me, all right, because I'm playing devil's advocate, so you can have fun with this, right? So they're just basically an executive assistant, right? Mm. It's a common, it's a common path to start from, certainly, yes. <laughs> but uh, EA, first of all, are, are critical members of the team. So I have literally seen veteran leaders fall apart without their EA. So they are a critical part of the team. The, the way they're different is they're usually focused on the day-to-day -day admin tasks. So scheduling calls, answering emails, coordinating calendars, things like that. 
Whereas the chief of staff is a more of a strategic leader and they're seeing the big picture. They see across the different silos and different departments of the company and they know what's happening in each one and how they need to tilt or tweak or overhaul that to help the company achieve its organization. Uh, or excuse me, how to have the organization achieve their goals. So a COS, a chief of staff and an EA will often work together. So they're complementary roles, but they are much different. Okay. Okay. So okay. So maybe they're not an executive <laughs> assistant, but but maybe they're okay. They're they're just basically a project manager, right? Mm, yeah. Another good one. It's uh it's it's similar in the fact that a uh, chief of staff will need project uh, project manager skills, and they will be project managing big cross company initiatives. But a project manager has a has a more narrow scope. So they're taking care of a certain project, and they're and they're seeing if the milestones are hit and they're getting all the stakeholders on board. But again, that chief of staff has just a broader scope. So yes, when, when people, um, it's funny because when people call a chief of staff an executive assistant or project manager, people rail against that, but there are elements that you have to pull from each one of those jobs in, in a chief of staff role. Okay, so maybe they're not an executive assistant. Maybe they're not a project manager. They're just a basic glorified gopher. Mm. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, they're not there to take your lunch order. Um, <laughs> um, and if you are using a chief of staff like that, you are woefully underutilizing that that team member. So yeah, I mean, there's I love interns and they have their role in, in different pieces. But yeah, a chief of staff is def definitely not there to be taking your lunch orders. Okay, now, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to know that Emily and I have not rehearse this. She had no idea this is the way I was going to do this particular portion of this book, but we are having some fun with it. I, I could clearly see that she's having some fun with this too, <laughs> with my little cynicism and everything going on here. So here's the last one. Okay. They're not an executive assistant. They're not a project manager. They're not a gopher. So this is just a dumping ground so that people <laughs> get stuff off their chest or in the leadership team can get stuff off their chest, right? Yeah. A lot of executives treat the COS like that. So they'll back up their dump truck and then they'll tilt all of their trash onto the chief of staff, which not a good, not a good use of it. There's certainly times when you need to vent and that's human, right? And a chief of staff can, can be there for that. But if you're just doing that over and over and you're just complaining, having a, having a complaining session with your chief of staff, that's not what they're there for either. This, that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because I had a lot of fun being cynical with you and you just absolutely <laughs> dominated it. It was awesome. Um, so then let's dig into chapter two, which is what does a chief of staff do? And we gave kind of a general overgram, but let's dig in yeah. to uh, what it is they really do. And uh, you, this, you say in chapter two, you say the scope and responsibility are slightly too dramatically different um, things. Each instance, there's not one type of chief of staff. And you literally, you say a chief of staff can legitimately uh, be doing anything from putting together a slide deck to structuring a multi-million dollar acquisition. So what is it that we need to understand when it comes to uh, the, the role of a chief of staff? What is it that we really do need to understand, first of all? The first two big things I would say are if you're in a company that has cross-functional initiatives that need to be coordinated, you could use a chief of staff. So if you've got operations and sales and product and legal, and those have touch points, which they should, by the way, then you need someone to organize that. And a chief of staff can be a great resource for that. The second piece is a chief of staff can help your company scale and grow. And I see a lot of chiefs of staff work with 
founders who they built the company, it's their baby, and they made it successful. And they get to a point when the company matures and what they were doing before is not what they should be doing going forward. And you have to almost, you know, un unlatch them from that and say, hey, the way you add value right now is different. And so we need you up here. And so a chief of staff can help with that kind of growth and also certainly putting together internal processes and things like that to literally help the teams scale and grow. All right. So let's talk about a few of these things that you have that you, that you have written here in the book. One of them is uh, that chief of staff keeps leadership laser focused on the organization's top priorities. How does that work? Yeah. So a lot of people are familiar with the let's make our yearly goals. And they do that and they spend discussions and meetings and meeting upon meetings. And then they shove that thing in a drawer and no one looks at it until December. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we haven't hit any of these. And so. Uh, chief of staff, one of their primary jobs is to one, identify the top three priorities and get consensus around that, right? So even if people aren't agreeing 110% on each particular one, like, no, I understand why that would be a top priority. So get that buy-in and then keep reminding people of those three priorities and even ask them, okay, hey, Jay, you know, you're talking about going to that conference um, next next week, is that supporting one of our three goals? You know, that's a, that's a decision we have to make. And so bringing it up like that and also enabling them. So if, we're, if you're asking, let's say, a chief operating officer to scale their team exponentially to support your sales, but you're not giving them budget or you're not giving them training resources, then you're basically tying one of their hands behind their back and asking them to run really fast. And so you have to make sure that everyone has what they need to meet those top goals. I thought it was interesting uh, when I, as I was reading the book, that you you say three priorities. And I was, it just made me curious because I think sometimes as business owners and business people, everything is a priority, mm. <laughs> right? And we can have dozens of priorities, but you say three. What is the power of the three and why do you find that to be so important and relevant in terms of the company and as the chief of staff? I think, first of all, three has a nice ring to it, so top three. When I'm working with my clients, I often push them to do two, and they're like, oh, no, I can't pick. And it's like, if you had to pick, what would you say your top two are? And it makes them really think about, yes, all these things are important, but which one is more important? If you could only do one, and it forces them into that, into that decision. And yes, you're right. If everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. And so you've got you've to gotta pick. And I, was, I remember going around to each executive and talking with them about what was going on in their department and saying, what are your two to three top priorities? And they would list all these things, like dozens and dozens. And I would say, what are your top two to three priorities? And they would look at me like I was asking them to make Sophie's choice and they couldn't decide. And so it was like, okay, let's walk through these and the pros and cons and help them distill that. So that could also be a chief of staff role is helping them get to, oh, these are my top priorities and let me be clear about them. Because if you have clarity, then the decisions you make every day become easier. I love that. Her name is Emily Sander. The book is entitled uh, An Insider's Perspective on the Chief of Staff. We're just getting started but you're going to love even more with her because she's fantastic and the book is great too. You're listening to her here on A New Direction.
Hey, uh, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, whether you're covering from injury, surgery, suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, maybe you're a professional athlete or high school athlete and you just want to move and improve what you're doing on, on, on whatever your chosen field is. Listen, they will customize a treatment program just for you. It's not, it's not treatment in a box. So when you're ready for your epic relief, epic recovery, epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors, for more than 38 years, they have been helping the world transition in life. You go, whoa, I, I thought you said they were real estate people. They are. But think about this. Every place you've ever lived has been a transition in life. True? Yeah. Right? Whether it was the apartment, whether it was that first house, or whether it's the second house, it's all been transitions in life. Well, you know what? For more than 38 years, they've been helping people make that transition easier and smoother by helping take the stress out of that portion of your life. And so listen, when you're ready to make your life transition and you want it just a little smoother, start with Linda, Cram Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here with Emily Sander and her book. I was kind of sing-songing there. I know, I like that. <laughs> And her book, An Insider's Perspective of Chief of Staff, <laughs> um, uh, Why You Need One and How to Be a Great One. Uh, just to, it, listen, it's not a long read. This is what I would call a short flight airplane read, but it is packed. Uh, it really is packed full. Um, I, I, I enjoyed reading. There wasn't a page I didn't enjoy reading. I'm just going to be honest. And even at the end of the book, she has her favorite reads that she recommends that you read. Um, and also, Emily, uh, you give us a website where people can go find your, you have a newsletter and, and, uh, and a blog. So why don't you tell people where they, if they want to get more information about Chief of Staff and learn more about it, where should they go? Certainly. So my website's a good place to go. It's www.nextlevel.coach. So next level, all one word, dot coach. And I've got blogs on there that talk about the different aspects of chief of staff. I have a link to the book. And then I also have my podcast and we're just starting a chief of staff series. So I'm going to interview a number of chiefs of staff and their principals. So I'm looking forward to that one. Awesome. Well, let's get back to what this chief, the chief of staff really does. And uh, um, it, it, one of the things that you say, they turn decisions into actions. How? <laughs> so in, a, in almost every company, you'll have the leadership team kind of up here in kind of an ivory tower, you know, having discussions and making decisions. And then they might send like one lightning bolt down to the, the rest of the organization and expect them to figure out what that is and what they mean. And so many times the decision making process is important and you need to make sure that's that's going well and being thorough, but then equally important, if not more so, is getting that information accurately to the rest of the organization. And so having those follow-up conversations with the middle management, having the all hands companies and getting that information to them. And so when people have context for why things are happening, they can plug into that easier, right? So they go, oh, I understand why our boss is doing this. And so therefore, when I'm doing my job and I'm working with a customer, I can make a decision, I can call an audible on the fly because I know where we're trying to get to as a company. And so just empowering people with that, don't expect everyone to agree with you. That's not the point of, of this part of the book, but it is being transparent and helping people see the decisions that are made and how it affects their day to day. Mm, beautiful. All right. So uh, here's one that maybe kind of people will go, huh? Um, 
chief of staff keeps the quote unquote drumbeat of the business on time. Uh, okay, help us there, Emily. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about this to someone else, and we were talking about kind of the chief of staff being a vague, nebulous role. And I was like, yeah, it's an X factor. I mean, I mean, talk about the rhythm of the business. Point to me where the rhythm of the business is. So it's like this heartbeat or drumbeat. And what that means is things like a weekly leadership meeting or a monthly business review with your directors or the quarterly board meeting or the all hands meeting. So those are kind of keeping the heartbeat or drumbeat of the business. And they don't like, oh, okay, you're, you're scheduling meetings. But if you think about it, if you don't have those meetings, a leadership meeting, a monthly business review, you're not prepped for your board meeting, things are going to fall down fast. And so making sure that people are aware of what's coming up and also prepared for those. So if, for instance, I had an executive and it was their first board meeting ever. And so <laughs> we were a little bit nervous on that side because she, you know, she was just like, I'm trying to do good and I'm sweating bullets and everything. And part of it was, let me help you and enable you to be in that meeting successfully. But that helps keep the rhythm of the business. Okay, so I, I think we can all get that they act as kind of a proxy for the CEO. I think we could get that one. But then you've got you've got this other piece here, handles communication. Now that seems like it's a job all of its own, but it help us understand handling communication. Yes, that can be external or internal. So external could be press releases. If you have a new C-suite team member, if you've done a merger and acquisition, if you're launching a new product, so they can be involved with that. They can also be involved with fundraising um, communication with coordinating press. So interviews with the CEO or C-suite and then also internal. So if you've got all company messages going out, uh, all company emails and things like that, if you need to say, hey, you know, VP of operations, we're gonna we're gonna tweak this communication because it's gonna that's gonna land the wrong way with this group of people. So just making sure that the comms are all consistent and what you want them to be. All right, here's a big one though, Emily, and this one just seems like just an, an enormous task on its own. I mean, all these seem like big tasks just on its <laughs> own. The fact that they're have all these hats that they're wearing all at the same time. Uh, Chief of staff designs culture what small task you know on the side they design culture <laughs> this is a this is a nice to have no i'm just kidding so <laughs> designing culture is key and honestly anyone who's in leadership you're designing culture so just get that down in you now so if you're in a leadership position every interaction you have is designing the culture but certainly that can be a, a conscious thing and a proactive thing so hey Let's talk about our vision and mission statement. What do we want to stand for? What do we want our company to stand for in the market? And also, what do we want to have people think about when they come to work every day or when they talk about this company to their friends? Like that's our culture, right? And so that, and then once you come up with that, it's okay, how do we back into that and reverse engineer into that? What needs to happen for people to think, feel, and do what we want them to do in that culture? And those are all chief of staff initiatives. I just think, I, you know, culture is such a, a big, you know, it's a big term and it's very popular right now, right? It, it, everybody's talking about culture, or at least it seems like everybody's talking about culture. It's hard to find a book where they aren't a, a book that's talking about business where culture is not being talked about. To have someone who has the chops to be able to design culture and not just design it, 
but then make it happen. That seems just like a tremendous challenge and requires a unique person. Do I got that wrong? No, you're, you're right on that one. So it's going from strategy to the tactics, right? So that's another aspect of the chief of staff that's a little bit, uh, a little bit special is they have to move seamlessly between strategy and implementation. And so once you once you define the culture you want and have that as a strategic piece, then you have to go implement that. And so um, a chief of staff has to has to be able to move with that. And certainly it's not just the chief of staff, right? So if you have a bad culture, you can't turn to your chief of staff and go, what happened here? So, it, but they can spearhead a lot of the initiatives. For instance, we did something simple, like we did a brown bag lunch. And so people came for a free lunch and some of them came just for the free food, but we had a we had a someone from a team talk about what they were working on and talk about what their team did. And so basically you would learn, hey, what do all the different groups that I'm working with and interacting with do? And you would get a free meal and you would learn about it and get to ask questions. And so that was something very simple that we did just to bolster culture and also have people understand where they fit in the business and what interdependencies they had with other teams. Did you, were you ever in a position as chief of staff where you, where the culture was just bad and they said to you, fix it? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to not, not go into names. Right. 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 I don't want you to do that. No, 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 no. Because we don't want names, but no, I, that's fine, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to share names just because I, I want to go to heaven. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, when I walked into a, a certain, a certain uh, area of the business, you know, when you walk into a room and you can just tell like people have their head down, you could yeah. cut the tension with the knife. And you're like, Oh, Oh, this is not a good space. So I walked in and it was, it was one of those. And it was like, Emily, like you're in charge of, of, you know, getting these people motivated. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So, you know, in that one, it was, it was, let me turn the Titanic around and start, you know, pulling on the thing over and over. Um, but, but it, it was, it was honestly, it was a challenge, but it was good because basically these, these folks were operating in a culture of fear. And so they had their head down because before, if they spoke up, they might get their head chopped off and they might not be there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so getting them to realize we need your opinion and we need your input. You are talking to customers every day. We need you to feed that information back to the organization. You're actually very important. That started to turn the tide. So yes, you, you can definitely tell when you're walking into a toxic environment and that's uh, it's, it's not insurmountable. It's challenging, but it's doable. Okay. So uh, let's move on to chapter three here real quick. It's called CEOs. Do you need a chief of staff? Uh, is the title of the chapter, which I thought was clever. Um, so I love how you did this because it's kind of like, uh, it was kind of like a commercial for, uh, literally a commercial for chief of staffs, right? I mean, it's, it, it literally was. So the first thing you say, do you need more time? Do you need a clone? Would you like <laughs> to make better decisions? Uh, right? So give us a few, you know, are you needing or wanting to focus on other areas uh, or things right now? Are you, you or your team lacking follow through? Give us a few of these that you that stand out to you of how you kind of know, like, hey, I probably need to have a chief of staff. Give give us some of the big ones that you that you go, okay, this is how you know. First example is if you have a CEO, let's say, and they're either 
wanting to step into a different part of the business and focus on, let's say, a, a product rollout, right? So if you have someone with an engineering background and the company needs some help in that area, you might say, okay, CEO, you go in that area, you lift out, and I'll cover the day-to-day -day operations. Um, so that's where a chief of staff can come into play. Also, if you're a founder and you've been running hard for the last five, seven years, you might just need some time off and you might need to go and reintroduce yourself to your family. And that's a big one. I've had several chiefs of staff who their, their principal brought them in because they want more time. And they, one of them is, is was, gave, was given an ultimatum, like you will spend more time with the family or you won't be part of this family. And so they're like, I need some help. I need some help. Chief of staff come in here. And so that's one way where you can lift out. And certainly if you, we were talking about this before, before we got on, if you are someone who's not the best with organization, your vision, you have ideas, you can see where things belong in the market, but you can't keep yourself organized and you can't keep yourself on track. Sometimes having someone so organized and super organized and uber organized for themselves and for you and for the team is what you need. So those are just some different, uh, different things to think about. One of the ones that you say that you have here though, that I'm extremely interested in because I hear it all the time in, in my coaching business, when I'm coaching businesses and CEOs is, um, are you or your team lacking follow through? And I think that's a really big issue it comes to, you know, my, my salespeople are not following up they're not following through or my, you know, I give them tasks and they're not following up and they're not following through. How, how does the, COS, the chief of staff, how do they deal with that issue in particular? Yeah, I mean, we've had sales teams where, okay, let's get in the room and let's discuss their quota. Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's 40 touch points per day. Okay, we're done. That's fine. We made a decision. And so going out and saying, all right, we need to build a process in Salesforce or our CRM tool, perhaps. We need to explain to the sales folks they have this quota and here's how we expect them to meet it. We give them training. So all those all those different uh, different pieces and elements. Yeah, it's it's it. I, you know, I'm just trying to think if you have this person who is part of the C-suite team, and yet you do talk about them as not being biased, meaning that you, you they've got to be able to deal with everybody, you know, in in the business, and at the same time, the CEO, right? Built. You talk about building trust is really important here. Mm. And so how do you, how did, how did you, how did you gain the trust from the people who are working, right? The not part of the leadership team, how'd you get their trust as well as trust from the leadership team and CEO? How do you develop that? A superpower that anyone would do well to develop is listening. And that's not a soft scale when people are like, oh, it's a soft, mm, it's a hard skill. Um, if you're actually listening to someone and you're listening to learn and be curious, people will pick up on that and they'll notice something about you and they will talk to you in a different way. And so one of the first things I did as COS is I did a listening tour. So I went around to every single person in our company and had a one-on-one -on -one sit down and asked them just what was on their mind and how they found their job and their team. And I learned so much. And just by, just by listening to them, I would say almost all of them were like, oh, someone actually cares about my opinion right? So they don't have a lot of people doing that. And then when you talk about, okay, here's the things that I think we can do. Here's the things we can't do. I'm not going to lie to you. Here's the things I think we can do that will help, will help you. And they, and they feel like someone heard me and they took action. That goes a long way. That goes a long way. And even when you say, you know what, 
I've heard you. Let me paraphrase what you've said back to prove that I've heard you. And then here's the reason why we're going to go a different direction. Even that engenders trust, right? Because I heard you and I'm explaining to you why we're making a different decision because I respect you. And so that goes a long way. And so I think from top to bottom, a chief of staff, any any time I was, I was always on, right? So if I was walking down the hall, I was the chief of staff. If I was in a meeting, I was the chief of staff. And so people would see you and you're very visible in the company and you know a lot about what's happening in all parts of the company. And so people think that you're very influential and you are, but you're very optically uh, associated with the executive team. And so how you conduct yourself is, is watched. So if you're in leadership, and certainly if you're a chief of staff, know that people are watching you. And so just how you show up and just how you behave and interact with them can engender trust too. I just think that there's just a delicate balance here between how you are speaking to the CEO, how you're speaking to the leadership team, and then dealing with, you know, and then how you speak to the employees that are making things happen. And being able to get all those groups to be able to say to go, oh, Emily? Oh, yeah, no, we trust her. I trust her, right? That that seems to be a tremendous challenge. Well, one of the things is I don't talk to those constituents much differently, to be honest. It was, it's the level of information, sure. I mean, at the C-suite, we're privy to more information about HR matters and all these right. all these strategic moves, mergers and acquisitions. But I don't talk necessarily different, or I certainly don't talk down to a, a middle manager uh, versus the CEO. So I think, and even with our board, uh, you know, we were, give due respect to your board members, but they're people and we have information that they want. And so our job is to convey information. So it's just about, you know, communicating clearly and making sure you're speaking at the right level in terms of information. So if you're talking about something they have no idea that you've had 12 meetings on and it's the first time they're hearing, hearing about it, you might talk differently to that person just in terms of where they're starting from, but not in terms of, oh, here's your title. So I'm going to talk to you in a, in a different way. Just out of curiosity, it's this is not in the book. This is just a question I have to ask about you. Doing this role as a chief of staff, exhausted or exhilarated? Both. Yes. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, yes. Uh, yeah. No, I, it was. It was. It's not a nine to five, or at least that was not my experience. And okay. it's you got to be invested in the role. But I will tell you, oh my gosh, it's rewarding, man. Like when you wake up and you get to say, "I make a difference. Yeah. I make a difference for my team." I know I contribute to my company and by extension, our customers. I'm, I'm good at my job. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, that is enormous because you know what? There's so many people who don't know, right? And so mm -hmm. this position puts you in a place where you absolutely know that you're making a difference in, 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 in the team and in the business. And that's, boy, that's, there's a lot of comfort there, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, I was flying. I mean, I, I stumbled my way into it at the beginning and had to learn a whole bunch of things on the fly, which is part of why I wrote the book. So people don't do that. But by right. the end, I felt so good. And it was it was by far my favorite role. I love being chief of staff. So I would recommend it to people who are, are geared in that direction and think it would be a good role. You learn a tremendous amount. You know about all the areas of the business like you didn't know before. And so it's a great just mini MBA or course in business if you're just interested in learning as well. Awesome. 
All right. Now, folks, listen, are you interested in how to excel at this chief of staff role? Well, after we come back, we're going to talk about that because you are listening to Emily Sander and her book, An Insider's Perspective on the Chief of Staff, Why You Need One and How to Be a Great One. We're going to talk about how to excel in this role right after this. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist. I think they should be your physical therapist, too, by the way. Uh, professional athletes from all over the world come to see them to move and get better. Um, look, they offer the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment like the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves. Game ready, that's just a few. Uh, they are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, including blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, and that's just a few. Listen, when you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and team, Linda Craft Team Realtors, for more than 38 years, uh, they have been known as the legends of customer service. And their first client from 38 years ago still comes to see them today. Isn't that something? That says a lot, doesn't it? And they've helped thousands of people all over the world. How they do that? Well, they're unaffiliated. They're not, they're not part of a national company. They are privately owned and operated, are an individual company, and they've been able to link up with the best possible real estate professionals in your area. So when you're ready to sell your home, buy your home, and you want to work with the legend, work, talk to Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, my friend. I get to call you friend, I think. Emily Sander. Can I call you friend? I hope so. Okay, good. I like that. Uh, an insider's perspective on the chief of staff, why you need one, and how to be a great one. And we are going to move into chapter four uh, for a little bit here as we um, wind down the third segment of the show. And um, how to excel in this chief of staff role. And uh, it... it you say here, to be an effective chief of staff, you need to understand um, what makes it different from other executive roles and appreciate the unique value that chief of staff brings to the leadership team. And then you come in and you do this to us and say, <laughs> the chief of staff works in the gray zone. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so okay, help us, help us there because uh, that would that would just like jump out at me and go, okay. I got to appreciate and understand how it's different. And by the way, we work in the gray zone. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What does the chief of staff do? Um, uh, it's in the gray zone. So yeah. Um, what makes a chief of staff unique? So first of all, we talked about that no one version is the same, right? right. The second piece is they don't have a functional area. So if you think about a chief operating officer, they're they're all about operations, and they should know the most about operations in anyone in the company. And they should be advocating for that team. Chief of staff sees across the board. And so you have these different pieces, X Factor we talked about. So uh, they are in the gray zone. The other piece that makes it unique is it's it's visible, but behind the scenes. And the the story I tell in the in the book is I was watching the movie Jerry Maguire, you know, with Tom Cruise, and he's the sports agent. And when he's doing the voiceover, he's like, here's one of my clients, and it's a picture news clipping. And he goes, here's, that's me on the left. And his face is like almost all cut off. And so he's very much behind the scenes, but he makes a lot happen. <laughs> I laughed at that part of the movie, but I was also like, that is a chief of staff. So I'm behind the scenes, that's me on the left type of thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, trusted advisor and confidant to the CEO. That seems like a and by the way, you do spend quite a bit of time talking about this in, in different sections. 
about being the confidant to the CEO and a trusted advisor. So maybe since you, you did spend so much time in that, we should talk about, um, you know, how do you become a great one uh, doing that? So if you think about it, who in the company is going to tell the CEO no, or who in the company is going to tell the CEO good job? So the chief of staff is sometimes the only person who does that for the CEO. It's it's lonely at the top, you know. That's a that's a cliche, but it's true. And so sometimes you're the shoulder they can cry on, and sometimes you hit them upside the head with a two by four to get out of their own darn way. And so I would go back and forth between let me listen. He's venting. He needs to get this off his chest before he goes out to the all company medium meeting. Let him do that with me. And I remember a t- I remember a time. Uh, a story where we had we had a one-on-one coming up. So that was our next meeting. And he was having just a rough week. And so he had pressure from the board. His sales numbers weren't going well. He, Our CFO was out. And then his computer locked him out. So he couldn't remember his password. And I remember sitting there and I was, I was typing on my computer and I heard him give a long, loud expletive. And I was like, oh my goodness, like everyone heard that. And so instead of going into our normal one-on-one, I said, hey, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk outside. Let's just move around, smell fresh air and, and get to get some clarity. And so that was, that was being someone who could say, we're going to go for a walk. And also this is what you need right now. Right. Uh, interestingly, if you're going to excel at this job, chief of staff, you have to be a coach. Really, right? Because I don't think people would as- associate being a coach uh, with being a chief of staff. Help people understand if you're going to excel at this, you got to have to be a coach. Well, coaching is about making people successful, right? And so coaching is about, it's an overdone term, but meeting them where they're at, which is which is what you need to do. So you have to understand where that person is coming from, what motivates them, what they're scared of, and then where they want to get to or where they need to get to. And your job is to get them there. So there's certainly coaching elements in being chief of staff. I would argue there's coaching elements is in being any leader. And sure. so if you if you are, certainly have a coach approach mentality. If you go in conversations with the coach approach mentality, by the way, people will pick up on that and people will respond differently to you. Because just even if you say the same words, but you're saying it with a little bit different intention, it comes across, it comes across in a better way. So true. So true. Um, here's another thing. If you want to excel, you need to be able to build bridges across the leadership team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like that can be a challenge too. Yeah. I mean, especially when some executives are trying to light your bridge on fire from their end. Um, so when I came to be chief of staff, some people were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. We know Emily and it's from this different role in strategic initiatives. Um, it makes sense. She's a chief of staff. And some people said, mm, no, I don't see the value in this. I think this is a barrier between me and the CEO. I think this is just a throwaway role. And so it was it was a different conversation with with those folks. But I think, you know, I really wanted to impress upon them. I'm here to support you. I want to enable you. um, And I want you to do your job at its best and not. I mean, yes, as a person, I want that. But also my job is to make that role successful. So if you're our CRO and you're in charge of our revenue and our sales, I need to empower you and enable you and inform you and all those things, but I also need to push you and challenge you. And so building those bridges as a foundation for those relationships and those ongoing conversations are so important because you can't come up to someone and say, I'm going to challenge you on building a better internal process out the gate, right? 
So you've got to have that relationship and those bridges built up. And, and you talk about in this little section about building bridges that you have to kind of do a little bit of a kind of a, a, a personal dive with each person. And you talk about we kind of get a little bit of general background, general background. But the other thing is what makes them tick, mm. which, I, you know, the motivation. Talk to us about those conversations, you know, strength, you know, what makes them tick, their strengths, their weaknesses, communication preferences. Talk about how that conversation happens. Yeah. So if, if you're a leader of any kind, I would, I would suggest saying, what does this job mean to this person? So what does this job mean to this person? For some people, it could be like the pinnacle of their career. I've worked 30 years to get to this point. This is it. I'm, I'm here. Some people it's, you know, hey, I'm, I'm doing this while I get my degree in something else. And I put in an honest day's work, but when I get my degree, I'm going to go on. Okay, that's fine. You should know that. You should know what's important to them. And I think you should also observe what they're good at and what they tend to struggle with and try to put them in their areas of strength. You can also ask them. So people kind of skip that part, but ask them like, hey, you know, what are, what are you good at? What are your hidden talents that I might not know about and the company could use? And also, you know, how do you like to be communicated? Some people know that and some people are like, I don't like however you want. And so you have to observe that too. So it's like, okay, if I, you know, if I come to talk to coach Jay and I'm strong and direct, is he going to shrivel? Probably not. But for other people that might send them in a tailspin. So you've got to figure out, okay, what gets this person in right. position to perform? Move on in that section. Uh, you have a, a subtitle that is, what does it take to be a great chief of staff? If you were to pick, pick your top three of what it takes to become a great chief of staff. What are the top three things that I you think it takes? I think one of them is a low ego. So it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about getting credit and it's about the team and making them successful. A lot of people have trouble with that. So if you're like, Ooh, I like credit, then uh, this role might not be for you because it can be very thankless at times, but um, just taking yourself out of it. It's not about me looking good. It's not about what I want all the time. It's about how do I support the, the greater group and the greater good. I would also say you have to be adaptable. You have to be able to adapt. You're, you're moving from so many different parts of the business. You're moving at different paces. Some people need things fast, some things you need to take time with. And so you're, you're doing all these, all these different things, you know, with COVID, the market made us adapt. So we had to adjust our whole business model to, to, adjust, to adapt and react to that. Um, you have to adapt to, we just talked about this, communication styles. So if I'm talking to Jay over here and he likes things one way, and I'm talking to Ramon over here and he likes to receive information a different way, I have to adapt that. And that's on me as a leader to know that and then, and then do that. So I think those are some of the, some of the top, uh, top traits. Uh, you had one in here that was just funny to me. And so I just, I just have to say it cause it made me smile. Um, you said one of the traits they have to be is analytical and you say you, you, you're going to have to be both captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought, Oh, that's pretty cool. I love that. That was actually really, 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 really good. Uh, you know, you do spend a lot of time talking about the organ being organized and, and, and we've, we've talked about it some. But can we overemphasize just how important it is that you have to be incredibly organized to really be successful in this role? 
Well, if you think about it, you have to, you have a full-time job, you have a hectic, busy, important full-time job. And so keeping that organized is hard in itself. And then you're also responsible for keeping your principal organized. And you also may be responsible for keeping the executive team organized. And sometimes you're going to have to keep the board organized. So you just have to have this in spades. And so if you're someone who it's like, taking time management and and supersizing that right so you got to have time mastery and just be very deliberate with your time and be very very disciplined and sometimes i would have to ask myself midday you know is what i'm working on the most important thing is this what i should be working on as chief of staff most of the time it was but a few times i stopped myself and i said no this is important but it's not the biggest bang for my buck. It's not the highest value activity I could be doing. And so you have to be even organized and disciplined at that level. Uh, we've almost done an hour here um, together. It's gone really fast uh, for me. I, I I can't speak for you. I'm the one who's asking questions and you're the one who has to work. <laughs> um, if, you could, if you could summarize uh, what you think are some of the most important things that you would like people to know about chief of staff, what would those be in, in, in a minute or so? I think, first of all, chief of staff role exists, so it's still relatively new. And like you mentioned at the top, people know it from uh, politics and and different arenas like that in the military. But a chief of staff can, honestly, I'm not blowing smoke here. If you set it up right, it can be a game changer. If you do it right, it can game change your business. And so if you've got cross-functional initiatives having to be coordinated, if you've got to scale and grow, if you need a coach approach injected into your leadership team, then you can look at a chief of staff as a possibility. So that's what I would say. Just know that it's out there and know that if you're set up for it right, it can be a very powerful tool and give you an advantage. And how should people get a hold of you? Uh, the, be- the best place is my website, so www.nextlevel.coach. And honestly, for your for your show, I'm just going to say just email me. So my email address is emily at nextlevel.coach. Perfect. We'll do that. Well, I'm going to include it in the blog post that's associated with the show. Emily, you've been outstanding. Thank you so much. Stay with me. All right. Hey, folks, you know what? This is the show. And I say to you every week, you are in control of three things in your life, regardless of your circumstances, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. You know, I know that it can be difficult at times, but you are always in control of your attitude. You choose it. And your effort, that's your excellence. How excellent are you right now? And how excellent are you going to choose to be? And we all get knocked down from time to time, but you choose to get back up again. All right? Take control of those three things. Do that now. I'll be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book. It's going to be another great show because it has to be. As I say to you all over the world, you know what? You had a lot of choices. You chose us. Thank you. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Give us a like. Give us a positive review on your favorite place to listen to the show. As I say to you all over the week, and you know, all over the world, you know what that is. Ciao. You can find the strength to go a different way. Yeah. The time has come. Your dreams will take you places you have never been before. Find your passion. Find your strength. Don't worry anymore A new direction A new direction